Music. Reviews. Chat. Poems. Comedy. Writing. Interviews. EFM. It's radio for so much more. Hello, I'm Jamie and this is the Red Kite Radio Show. We'll be talking about Alan Lane, theatre director. Yeah, because apparently I open shows now. I've walked in a door and I've been tied to a chair, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> not really, not really. But um, yeah, I got um, I got told to come here by my friend, Mimi. <laughs> Hi, um, it's great to be back. Yeah, um, Alicia, would you like to say your part now? Um, hi, I'm Alicia, and we'll be talking about the human right abuse. And we'll also be talking about football, which I, I, I personally don't really care about, but from what I hear, Johan, um, Amos, and James Zoo, so um, I guess it's going to be a great show. Alicia, do you want to introduce the song? We'll be listening to Queen, We Will Rock You. A big noise playing in the street Gonna be a big man someday You got mud on your face You big disgrace Kicking your can all over the place Singing We will, we will rock you A big disgrace, waving your banner all over the place. We will, we will rock you. Sing it out. We will, we will rock you. Buddy, you're an old man, poor man, pleading with your eyes, gonna make you zombie someday. You got mud on your face. Big disgrace, somebody better put your bag into your place. We will. Hello, uh, everybody is around the desk and we are going to have a conversation about Qatar, the World Cup and specifically the human rights in Qatar. Um, so, Jamie, what are your thoughts on the World Cup being hosted in Qatar? Do you think it should have been hosted there? or? Well, um, that's, <laughs> that's like 50-50 because it's not like the people that are making the decisions, it's more like their government. Especially since Qatar's not very democratic, it's not like we can blame it on the people and punish them. It's more the government. But do you think that people, football is a game with 
all sorts of people that watch it people that are gay people that are not people of all different ethnic religions etc um and loads of people travel all around the world to watch the world cup do you think that the fact people were like actively saying they don't want to go or were scared to go do you think that's a reason it shouldn't have been hosted in qatar yeah that is probably a reason that it can't be hosted in qatar because um a lot of people can be violent towards members of the lgbtq especially if the government doesn't agree with it as well uh johan what are your thoughts on this issue um i think it's quite a bad thing that we're actually hosting it in qatar because uh as you've mentioned that some people are actually quite worried to just to even go watch it at qatar and that it actually be a lot better to just watch it uh at home and yeah well the uk government has has advised tourists traveling there to maybe you know tone down being gay um don't want to create an international incident i've got some facts here on the website equaldex.com so it's illegal to um uh be in an, a a gay relationship obviously gay marriage isn't legal you can face up to three years imprisonment for for um, being gay and so obviously it goes without saying that part of that comes with discrimination no protections under employment laws and um, no no right to adopt and hey get this you're not allowed to be in the military either just in case you fancied being a soldier in the Qatari army um, but we were talking weren't we about um, Hugo Loris who is the French goalkeeper and he said look it's my job to be professional and I have to respect the customs and the culture and the law of another country um, I mean I disagree with him but I'm curious to know is that factor in when we're talking about human rights well that's that's the way another country's decided to do things I think to an extent he has got a point and like if we were to go to France we'd respect all of the customs and things that they do there However, when it's like something that's just like saying the way you're born, you just can't be born like that. I don't think it's right to just say you have to respect that and just not be born that way or not go just because you were born that way. Jamie, what would you say to Hugo Loris if he walked in right now? <coughs> Imagine that you can speak fluent French to him. What would you say to him? <laughs> keep it clean, keep it clean. <laughs> um, well... He does have a point. We wouldn't want, like, for example, Americans coming into our country since it's legal for them to have guns in their country. You wouldn't want them coming into our country just, like, randomly walking around with guns. <laughs> you would want them to respect our laws. So we should do that for other countries as well. Even when it comes to... Well, there's been some protest around it. We should challenge these laws? I mean, how have, it, how have the England team had a go at challenging it and maybe with less success than we'd like. Well, Harry Kane, the captain of the England team, was going to wear um, a One Love armband, but then after being advised by people at FIFA, um, him and also the Wales captain have both chosen Ga not to. Gareth Bale? Gareth Bale, let's, yeah. Let's name him. He's got a name. Right, Gareth, yeah, Bale. Gareth Bale. Shout everybody. out to Gareth if you're listening. And it, yeah, shout out. Uh, <laughs> if he was listening, we'd be very happy. Uh, so, yeah, they were both going to wear armbands, but then they were advised by people at FIFA not to, so in the end, they didn't. 
what's people's takes on this? Mimi, what do you reckon? Do you think that was enough? To I mean, they weren't, they're not even going to wear them now, but do you think wearing an, an armband? I think they also flew in on a plane that had the uh, the pride flag like yeah, on, on the plane. Do you think these sort of symbols, token gestures, are they enough? To, or, or are you like, oh, well, at least it's something in this mass system? I mean, as much as I understand that they are trying their best to challenge, like, these laws, I think it should also be about, like, challenging the way of thinking at the same time, though, like, talking about it, like, openly and, like, trying to open a conversation around it and how, like, we could maybe, like, improve, like, this situation. Mm. What, do you, what, do you, what do you reckon? Do you reckon? Do you reckon they should have gone ahead and worn the armbands anyway? Because because what would have happened was they'd got a yellow card, right? So it would have just poten- purely for wearing them. Yeah, so okay. it would have potentially been damaging to them winning the game, and they're professionals, and you don't want to get a yellow card. That's you know breaking the rules. Do you think they should have just gone? Yeah, sorry, we'll 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 break the rules to get a yellow card to wear this armband. Or do you think actually ultimately? Their, their job is to respect the laws and customs. I would have won the armband. Because mm. if they truly cared about the rights of LGBTQ people in Qatar, mm. then if they actually like fully cared about it, then they would have worn the armbands to show that. Mm. But the fact that they just sort of gave in to FIFA shows that like they probably don't really care and they were just trying to... like. I mean, they do care, but, like, if they truly cared about the community in Qatar, then, like, they would have just gone ahead and worn it anyways. Any other thoughts around the table? Johan, you haven't said much. <laughs> what do you think? Why do I have to speak? I'm thinking. <laughs> okay, so another protest that happened was that comedian Joe Lysett, who is gay, uh, sort of... I'm going to say that's almost blackmailed. He called out David Beckham, who is a, you know, one of the most famous people in the on the planet, as a brand ambassador for FIFA in Qatar. For every uh, million pounds that David Beckham was going to be paid, Joe Lysett was going to shred a grand. So for the 10 million, which is a huge amount of money, and I looked it up earlier, David Beckham's net worth is about 400 million. For every uh, 10 million he was paid, uh, so, so essentially Joe Lysett was going to destroy 10 grand. Do you think this is a good way of getting the message out there? It sort of went viral, people were talking about it. Do you think that's a good sort of challenge to someone to go, right, like, like I'm going to, th- this money's going to get shredded, it's going to go to good charities otherwise, as a challenge to David Beckham, or is there other ways of doing it? There was probably other ways of doing it because... People, yeah, yeah, they spoke about it a lot, but um, it doesn't really have much of an impact on the actual person. Like, if someone just said they're going to burn their own money because you didn't do something, would you do it? Mm. But I think the fact that he was like, I think it sort of gives like a moral dilemma to David Beckham because he was saying that like, if he didn't shred the 10 grand, he was gonna give it to charities. And I mean, he gave it to charities anyway and shredded fake money. However, the fact that David Beckham like was given this challenge and like was given a moral dilemma to face shows that like actually it was a good idea of him to do that moral dilemmas well big words big, big <laughs> words big words big chat here like on academic Redkind. vocabulary well i suppose it goes without saying that we're all pretty pro lgbtq in the room and we want to send our solidarity to the people of qatar 
Um, we are going to be playing, um, unironically, Born This Way by Lady Gaga. It doesn't matter if you love him or capital H-I-M. M, 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 M. Just put your paws up. Because you were born this way, baby. Whether you're broke or evergreen, your black, white, beige, chola descent, your Lebanese, your Orient. Whether life's disabilities left you outcast for leader teased, rejoice and love yourself today, cause baby, you were born no this way. No matter straight of violence, being transgender life, I'm on the right track, baby, I was born to survive. No matter black, white, or beige, chola
Hello, uh, we are back. That song was Born This Way by Lady Gaga. Uh, we are now going to have more of a football-related conversation about the World Cup. Around the desk, we have me, Amos. Johan. And James. I'm hoping I'm not too loud. <clears throat> and we're going to be talking about mainly three games that have happened in the World Cup so far. Uh, so, Johan, what's the first game we're going to be talking um, about? England and Iran. And England won 6-2. So, what were your predictions for this game, Amos? What did you when you went to this match? You know, it was one of the first games England played, and the first, the, the first, yeah, indeed. And uh, what did you expect <clears throat> from that match before it even started? I expected us to win. I expected a few goals. Um, I to be fair, I I didn't expect Iran to score two goals. I was shot myself. I mean, I was getting six. That's quite good, especially when, if it ever comes down to goal difference later on in the game. Uh, but no. It was again six was a lot more than I expected, and Iran actually scoring two against us. I was I was shocked about that as well. Yeah. Why are you, Johan? What did you I think? I mean, the goals weren't the most shocking thing. It was like the added time, like the ten and the fifteen minutes. That added was long. Time. It was because the the goalkeeper like out. died, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> it, the goalkeeper was on the floor, flat out for like a good few minutes. So that's like a wild change of the goalkeeper. It was um, watching the game, so it was on at one o'clock for those that didn't watch it. So it was on during school time. Um, so it was just good, like, being out at lunch and in the cafeteria having it playing on the TV screens and stuff, just being able to watch the game. And, like, when, whenever there was a goal scored, it was electrifying because, like, everybody, the whole school was in there and it just went wild. Scenes in the canteen. <coughs> uh, so, yeah, what about you, well, Johan? Were you at school on Monday? Yeah. And did you get to see you at the game? No. You didn't? You just heard about the result I and mean, was happy? I mean, we were allowed to look at the scores. <laughs> yeah, but we weren't allowed to actually watch the game. Are you not allowed on your phones? No. That's po- Well, did you know um, England was actually the second predicted team to actually win the World Cup? Really? That's true, yeah. After who? After Brazil. Brazil had it like one to three chances or something, and then uh, England was like one to seven or something, which is quite... And then Spain was just after, which yeah. is great. Speaking of which, who do we all think is going to be the overall winners of the World Cup? Uh, James, you first. Well, obviously everyone's going to say Brazil, um, because everyone thinks Brazil's better. I was thinking Argentina, but, you know, after their shocking first game, I won't get into that, we'll talk about it in a minute, but um, that dropped off a little bit. Uh, I'm actually going to say England. Not, I'm not going to say that because I'm from England, but um, with us also being the second high predicted team to win, we did really well in the Euros, and just after watching what we did in the Euros, and our team's gotten better since then, definitely had some training, and with our solid squad we have now, after seeing the, the game with the, against Iran, I think we're going to win. <laughs> I got some shot. I got some faces. Me and Johan have been silently laughing. Yeah. At James. I'm, I'm, I have a feeling it might be Brazil. Uh, of course. Like I mean, maybe France because they won the last World Cup. I was thinking France, but I don't know. I just I don't feel as confident about France this year. I mean, yeah. they have a re- it's like a one to twenty four. Yeah. I mean, really low. So I think uh, I'm good. I'm going to go with the obvious pick of Brazil, but I think that the Netherlands also have a chance. Spain have a Spain chance. have a good chance. Croatia have a chance. A lot of places have a chance, but I think Brazil's probably going to win. I would have said Argentina until what was it Wednesday when with Messi playing on the pitch as the captain, they lost two one to Saudi Arabia, Whoa. which is not traditionally a footballing country. Um, Johan, why do you what were you shocked at this result? Yeah, like. Yeah, he did. He, 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 was, he was the first. Messi was the first. Had the first goal. Greatest but, footballer of all yeah. time. And it just sort of went downhill from there. James, do you think there's like a particular reason Argentina lost? 
I think uh, <laughs> due to the fact that... Yeah, I'm not going to wake me up. <laughs> if you didn't hear Martin we've been trying here, to annoy uh, Martin who's from Argentina so yeah we've been winding him up all day but no um, I just think the squad is getting old uh, sorry to say it's uh, it's you know they need a new squad really it's been it was an OG really good squad back in the day but it's been the same thing and every other team's changed like England's squad changed drastically in the past few years we need Maradona back Maradona <laughs> indeed um, but yeah um, I just think that the squad's changed it's not as good England They've got a good squad now. Like, like I said, Croatia, they've got a good squad now. It's changing. Teams are changing. But what's mad is that Argentina, I googled it, and they had 70% of the possession for the whole game, and yet they still lost. It is weird, that. I mean, like today, Wales, uh, I don't know if you watched the Wales game. Wales had more, more possession. Wales were it like they were running the game. Yeah. But unfortunately, the last literal 10 minutes of the game, they lost two goals. Um, but no. Unfortunately, just how the game works. Argentina did lose 2-1 to Saudi Arabia, which is very shocking. Scenes in Weatherspoons. That's where I was at the time. <laughs> and uh, and what about tonight, boys? What's going to happen tonight? My prediction, which I believe is also Johan's prediction, 3-1 to England. 3-1. I, th- I think that's a pretty... I think that's fair. What would Tony say if he was in the room? <laughs> I, mean, anyone... I don't think Tony's interested in <laughs> football, is he? Well, maybe not, but... Do you, what do you think, Johan? Do you think three one? Be realistic. Yeah, that, that was my bet, and then he just has he just nabbed your bet. No, well, no, 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 no. I was thinking that as well. You weren't. Yeah, I, I was. I'm gonna, yeah. get, I'm gonna get closer and more intense to the microphone for but. this one because I'm gonna let you know that two Leeds United players are playing for the American squad. Yes, that's right, Leeds United, the oh, best team in the Premier we got, League. We right? got them two American geezers, so it, didn't we? And they're playing in the American World Cup. So yeah, that means if you've got two Leeds United players playing and they're from Leeds United, the best team there is. <laughs> That yeah. must mean America have a chance. So that's my only worry, that they've got Leeds United players playing for them. Not right. But I think the main game is the fans and the chanting. Exactly, yeah. So you're the looking chance. forward to the chanting. <laughs> Would the you like chance. to give an example of one of the chants, Johan? <coughs> not, I believe not loud. that we will we'll win. win. I, I believe, believe that we will win. win. I believe that's that. That's an American yeah. chant. That's an American And how do you feel about that chant? I don't like it. Not I'm, as good I'm as ours. I'm scared. You're scared? <laughs> I'm scared. I answered my... I haven't... Missed... Amos... Making a mess in the studio. I think my prediction for the game. I think you guys have gone too big. I think it'd be just a steady game. Not many goals. I mean, it'd be 2 1. I'm saying 2 1. It'd be a close game. predictions for possession? I think it'll be like 60 40. Oh, I think we're going to dominate with 70% yeah. possession. But I just. Possession. <laughs> I reckon. I reckon. Uh, cheeky from Johan over there. I reckon the USA will get like. This is one prediction. Two goals from us. And then USA. Well, we'll, we'll get a goal. And then we will just lose possession at one point. America will just run the ball into our net and then, then we will get back instantly. Come back to and finish. <laughs> yeah, I think by the end of the first half, I think that's maybe when America might score. But then after half time, we'll all be like, well, we, I say we, the English squad will be like energised again. Um, so I think they'll be able to play better in the second half. I fully agree. That's about it from our little yes. football chat today. And uh, no, yeah. We now have a song playing. But first, we are all going to say, come on, England. <laughs> come, come on, England. Yeah. Score us some goals. And speaking with this <laughs> English pride of us winning the World Cup, we are now going to play It's Coming Home. Who's it by again, Johan? Lightning Seeds. England. Some other people. <laughs> this, is, this is It's Coming Home by Lightning Seeds.
Hello, uh, so I'm Henry, the broadcasting worker here at East Leeds FM, and we've been sent some short stories and some poems by students at Leeds East Academy. So me and James are going to read them out. They are anonymous, so you'll just have to imagine the hand behind them. James, start us off with the first one. So this first one's called Harm, and I'm going to read it for you now. Harm. 
Home is a place that makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside, but sometimes it can be quite the opposite. People come in all shapes and sizes, but so do homes. Homes can be sad and gloomy, or warm and bright. Some are in trouble, others not. Life is hard to cope with, but living in a place you call home can make it better. But no matter what, home is home. Okay, this is the other one. I am Ivan Babich, and I've been forced out of my home as two days ago a Russian missile struck our street, wiping out several households. I did not know any of these victims, yet I still felt lamented by the few survivors' losses as I had a close friend, Dana, whose home was bombed a fortnight ago, killing them instantly. There is just half an hour before I am due to board my flight, leaving my childhood memories behind and fleeing over to New Zealand. I am worried that the plane will be shot down, but I figure it is better to try and fly out with a fair chance of escaping with my life than staying and most probably being killed either by Russian missiles or Russian troops. Just five minutes until I board and my legs are jelly. Just five minutes until I leave my old life behind. I cannot stop feeling guilty about leaving everyone behind dead and here I am just turning my back on them, fleeing out of my home country. The intercom makes its ding-dong sound, snapping me out of my dark thoughts. Flight 11, make your way to the terminal, please. My flight. I drag my bulging suitcases to the terminal where my baggage was taken and put on a cart while I was boarding my flight to New Zealand. Once I was on the plane, I went to my seat to put my phone on airplane mode and put my seatbelt on and tightened it. 20 minutes later, after everyone had boarded and the crew had finished their demonstration on what to do in case of an emergency, the massive Boeing 747 jet took off down the runway and, when it gained enough speed, lifted off the ground. After half an hour or so, I became bored, and I eventually drifted off to sleep. I was dreaming back when I was five, when my mum was pushing me super high on the swings in my local park. It was a moment of bliss compared to my reality now. A sudden thump jostled me out of my sleep, and we were on the runway in New Zealand. Once my luggage was checked, I was allowed to exit the airport, and the taxi arrived, and I was on my way to my new home on New Zealand's soil. Okay. Thank you. James, our third piece, please. This next one is unnamed. Mm-hmm. This is the mystery behind it. The same storms of misery roared outside my house, uprooting any and all flowers. Rain was pouring down my window. Water was dripping onto the cold, wooden floors. But there I laid, shivering next to my sister, who had claimed the only blanket that we owned. It was the only one that we could afford. Mum hadn't been back for two days days now that's the longest she's ever taken something had to change something had to change soon as i laid and thought of all the reasons mother may not have come back i started to worry even sweat from then i decided that something would change i would change i would change the door opened with a bang my heart dropped i hid myself under the bed and my sister ran into the closet A large figure approached. In his arms, a hammer. His face. Spine chilling. Intense stuff here on East Leeds FM. Well, final piece we're going to read for you uh, in this quartet of poetry and stories. 
Berriesdale Manor was an old mansion that overlooked the small village of Apriville. Day and night, the village was covered in its vast black shadow, wishing it would just disappear so the flowers would stop wilting from the lack of sunlight. The village was once a merry place to stay, but ever since the Berriesdales moved in, it began to lose tourists. The people protested, but the house stayed along with its gloomy shadow, wilting the plants. The family that lived in the house at the time were not all bad people, but the people of Apriville wouldn't accept their gifts. Look what you've done to our lovely village, they cried. See how we have no visitors because of you snobs, they cried. So the villagers' leaders gathered and discussed what to do. Finally, after months, they came to an agreement. That evening, when they heard that they were going to be executed, the family packed their bags and left to hopefully find somewhere where they would be accepted. The one small village is now known as Apriville City. Skyscrapers were built and Apriville evolved from the village it once was. Berriesdale Manor is now owned by the mayor, where they live with their family and rule the city. One day, a traveller with a woman passed through the city, marvelling at their flying cars from their horse and cart. They begged to use the hospital as the woman was pregnant. Unfortunately, she died whilst giving birth to a baby girl. Stricken with sorrow, the man went to the highest balcony and jumped, dying from the fall. Now parentless, the newborn was sent to the orphanage and was adopted by the mayor in the following year. They pondered what they should do. They pondered on what they should call the mysterious baby because, as the mayor's daughter, she deserved a good name, Storby. Now, I must fast forward a bit to when she started school. By then, Storby was 13 and now attended Apriville High School. On her first day there, they were sorted into their classes. The head teacher, aware of Apriville City's gloomy past, recognised her surname, which was... Berisdale. Despite this, he was willing to give her a chance at being the opposite of what her ancestors were rumoured to be. As the week went by, he noticed that Storby was the kindest girl in school. The moral of the story is, origins mean nothing. Right, let's make a jingle for East Leeds FM. So, how are we making this ELFM jingle? Well, I think we just made one. Oh, I don't want to be trapped in a jingle! Um, hello, this is Caitlin McKenna here today. Say hello, Caitlin. Hello. This is Alicia. Say hello, Alicia. Hello. And this is Amos. Say hello, Amos. Hello. <laughs> I didn't even know you were there. <laughs> just pass it over to Caitlin. Hi, I'm Caitlin. I'm a spoken word artist from Leeds and I've got a poem called Hush for you today. If you've never seen skin bubble and blood begin to boil, you've never been told to hush. The way the black slowly creeps in, replacing the scarlet as it crescendos into burgundy hues and the ooze that accompanies it. The crackle and the pop, not from anger, but release. I've been told since I was young, I am too much, too loud, too sensitive. My mother told me being around me was like walking on eggshells. I spent the next seven years scared to be enough, silencing the tremors that threatened to erupt from the soles of my feet. 
I shrunk down. I had to coax the lullaby from my voice box just to sleep soundly at night. Allowing my scars to fail and heels to plant every day, I allow my volume to climb as a new summit. Every time I split my ribs open and unfurl my lungs like stage curtains opening the performance, I brace for the critics. It was never my mother's fault for being afraid the world would not be big enough to handle the velocity of my trajectory or that I might one day reduce those I love to ash in my volcanic panic zone. She could hear the hiss, see the rising smoke I slowly emit when she got too close. I know some days I must shh. I can sometimes be too much. Very interesting. Very yeah. Interesting. Um. So, can you just sort of give like a literal meaning to what the poem was about? Yeah. So, um, I have a lot of emotions, and I can sometimes be quite volatile. I can get very, very upset, very, very angry, anything like that. It's because I have a personality disorder called borderline personality disorder but at the time I wrote the poem I didn't know this and so my mum just thought I was a moody teenager when I was growing up and we had a very difficult relationship because of it eventually I realized though that she only wanted the best for me and I wanted to write the poem sort of as an apology to myself and to her because it was none of our faults but I can sometimes be quite scary like a volcano yeah most of my poetry is personal stuff it's based on personal experiences and with this one I really wanted to talk about my mental health just to make people feel a little bit more seen and heard if they have their own struggles with mental health was it do you think easy or difficult like the process of writing the poem itself like coming up with words and ways to like describe what you're seeing in the poem in a less literal way than what it actually instead of just saying what you said then well, I've been writing poetry since I was probably younger than all of you. Um, it's just something I've always done. So the more you do anything, the easier it gets. So it wasn't extremely, extremely hard for me to do. Um, some of the metaphors are quite obvious. They're for a lot of people, they can seem quite literal. Um, but the hardest part is the sound of the poem, because I write to perform. So sometimes you've got half rhymes and you've got different beats. And to think about the oral quality of that, how it sounds when I'm reading it out as I'm writing it, that was maybe the hardest part. What inspired you to do poetry? Um, I just love it. I just really, really like poetry. I started reading poetry when I was quite little um, and I found that it really worked for me. I've tried writing novels. I've tried songwriting. None of it's really felt right. Um, and I really like performing. I did a lot of theatre when I was a kid and this way I get to perform my own words in my own voice. I don't have to pretend to be any other character. I just get to be me on stage. Um. So what have you been doing today at the chapel and what were you continue to be doing after this interview well last night i held uh, the queer house party which was a showcase of different poets from across the north uh, today i came back and i've run a workshop upstairs for um, performance skills so very very basic skills in terms of utilizing microphones um, how to do introductions, bios, all that sort of stuff, let people know who you are. Uh, and now we're about to do an open mic so everyone can try out all those new skills and just get to read their own stuff, give them the space to perform and allow poets the room and our attention. And what is the or are the names of the workshop and the open mic? We are home on stage. 
Well, what song would you like us to play next? Keep it clean. Keep it clean. Squeaky clean. Um, Can we do Hours by Taylor Swift? Silence makes me want to take the stairs If you were here we'd laugh about their vacant stairs But right now, my time is theirs Seems like there's always someone who disapproves They'll judge it like they know about me From those with nothing else to do The jury's out But my choice is you So don't you worry your pretty little mind People throw rocks at things that shine And life makes love look hard The stakes are high The water's rough But this love is
But this love is ours. That was Hours by Taylor Swift. Hours without a H at the beginning, as James mistakenly searched up. So, um, that was the Red Kite Radio Show for the 25th of November. Right, so then the show. It's time we go around and ask what people have learned and what people have enjoyed. So I'm going to go to my left here. I have enjoyed about the conversation about human right abuse. Um, I have also really enjoyed the conversation about the hum- uh, the abuse of human rights. And also I enjoyed having a conversation with Johan and James about the World Cup and football and how Argentina lost Martin. Yes. <laughs> Martin's cheering. I enjoyed speaking with Caitlin McKenna. I thought her um, poetry was really emotional and people should check it out. I will finish off with saying that I, even though I wasn't really involved, I enjoyed the little conversation me, Johan and Amos had about football because it's just good to do, you know. We should do that more often. And uh, yeah, no. I just think it's that it. time we leave. That's about it, it for us. So anyone want to outro this instead of me? Go on, Amos. Thank you for listening. This was Red Kite Radio on the 25th of November, 2022. Uh, thank you. Yay! 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 Yay!